everyone, and welcome inside another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. I am your host today, Nick Schmitz, and I am joined by my co-host, Jacob Westendorf. Jacob, you were at the game on Sunday. Pretty good game to be at. Finally got a win. You know, we talk about, we're talking about now post-Mike McCarthy era. We got game one of post-Mike McCarthy era in the books. It's a win over the Falcons, 34-20. to 20. You were at the game. You were on the sidelines. Did you? What did you notice? Did you see anything of note that really stuck out to stood out to you um, with the team and how they played this past weekend? Yeah, I was also. So I have a direct comparison because I was at the Cardinals game also in the same capacity. So I can tell you that the the energy in the stadium that day was just, for lack of a better term, blah. Like there was no no energy. No sense of urgency, nothing of that sort. It almost just felt like the players were weighted down. And I don't, when I say those things, I don't want to make it sound like Mike McCarthy was the reason that they were weighted down. But yesterday, or Sunday rather, it really felt like the weight of the weight of whatever was ailing them was lifted off of their shoulders. They had fight, they had fire, they had passion, they were competitive. It seemed like they were ready to play, which is something I don't think you could say for specifically. I mean, anytime you lose a game to the Arizona Cardinals at home, that's rough anyways. So I think that the the biggest thing that I took away from yesterday was just the energy and the spirit was there. Maybe the Packers aren't good enough to win these next three games, which, I mean, there's some pretty tough, there's at least one tough team that they're going to play this Sunday in Chicago, but Maybe they're not good enough to win those games, but it'll at least be more competitive instead of just an old horse waiting to die, essentially, is kind of the way I guess I would put that. And that was nice to see. Um, But as far as, like, on the field, I don't think they did a whole lot of things that were different. It's not like Joe Philbin came in and just had this huge game plan and completely outfoxed Dan Quinn. They did a lot of the same stuff. It was just they executed better. And I know that's a boring way to say things, but they did. They executed better. You know, they made plays on third down. Devontae Adams caught a couple contested passes. The throw from Aaron Rodgers to Randall Cobb was vintage. That was one of the best plays I've seen all season long and really in the last couple of seasons. So, I mean, nothing – a lot of people are going to, you know, point to the head coach because what's the common denominator or the uncommon denominator between the last two weeks? It's that, yeah. Mike McCarthy's not here anymore, and Joe Philbin is. But realistically, I don't think a lot of things were different. But I do think there was just an exhale from this group that, okay, we can stop dealing with questions about our head coach, and we can now just kind of go out and play. And I think they did that yesterday. Yeah, and so I want to ask you, you know, I talked about in the post-game podcast for Monday – there were things that Philbin did that I liked, and there were things that he did that I didn't like. Uh, one of the big things that I brought up that I didn't really care for was, and you know, I don't know the reasoning for it, but in the first half, they only ran the ball, scheduled running plays six times, and Aaron Jones didn't get his first touch of the game until 12 and a half minutes into the second quarter. 
And so I was, when I was, while I was watching the game, I was a little confused as to why, you know, it seemed like, you know, it took Mike McCarthy, it seemed like, forever to get on board with Aaron Jones. And then, obviously, Aaron Jones ended the game on Sunday with 17 carries for 78 yards and a couple of receptions as well. So he got his touches, but were you confused or perplexed that it took so long to kind of get him part, like as part of the game plan? I was surprised. Uh, I listened to Philbin's explanation after the game, and here's the thing I said last, um, Sunday night on Pulse of the Pack with Jason Perrone was I don't agree with them as far as starting Jamal Williams. However, I do appreciate that Philbin at least said – you know, we were scheming up a play, and we schemed it up, and it was right up Williams' alley. So instead of worrying about, you know, instead of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, for example, asking Jimmy Graham to be a lead blocker would be an example of setting up a player to fail. Asking Jamal Williams to be a dynamic runner is one of those things. So they wanted to establish some inside stuff. Again, I don't agree with it. If you're going to try to establish things, you should be establishing them for their best players. And unequivocally, no questions asked, the Packers' best offensive players outside of Aaron Rodgers are Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. So those are the guys that you need to draw things up for early in the game, late in the game, whatever. But Jones, I mean, eventually he got his touches. He outsnapped Williams 64% to 36%. So the snap distribution was fine. Uh, I just I don't see the need for being as cute as they are with everything. Uh, so, I, I mean, yeah, anytime. Here's my thing with Jamal Williams, too. I've, I've tried to be nice about it. I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. But the reality is the guy's a replacement-level talent, and Aaron Jones is a star. And you need to keep your replacement-level talents on the sideline as much as possible. Replacing Aaron Jones with Jamal Williams is the equivalent of replacing Devontae Adams with this year's version of Jamon Moore. Now, maybe Jamon Moore turns out to be a little bit more than that, but it's almost at the same level. Maybe not quite because Devontae Adams is a top five receiver in the NFL. I don't know if you can say Aaron Jones is that as far as running backs go, but Jamal Williams is not anywhere near that. So that that's how I feel. Uh, I, I don't completely understand it, but at least it was trying to put them in a position to succeed. Right, and so I want to kind of wrap up a little bit with the Packers-Falcons game here. Before we move on to something else, I, I did feel – so the Packers scored 34 points on Sunday, which is their highest point total of the season. Their previous high was 33 against the 49ers back on that Monday night game in October. They, they didn't score any points in the fourth quarter. But it seems like all year, for the most part, it, the offense had been a struggle. Everything they did felt like it was just like – the 1960s trying to move the football like it just felt like it was so difficult for them to do anything on offense the feeling that I got from the Packers on Sunday was even though they didn't score any points in the fourth quarter if the game had been closer right say a seven point game and it was in the fourth quarter and you're like hey they need a drive and get some points I felt like on Sunday that if that was the situation, they could have done it. Where before Sunday, in and it happened in many games this year, where they were down by three or seven mid to end of the fourth quarter, they needed points, and I was just like, I don't have any confidence that they're going to do anything. 
Did you get that feeling at all from the team on Sunday that in the fourth quarter, if they actually needed a drive to score points, that they could do it? Well, they were well on their way to scoring points after Devontae Adams converted a third down that was wiped out by a phantom Jimmy Graham penalty. So, I mean, self-inflicted wound, ifs and buts, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I feel that they could have, but I think you pretty much saw it was 34-7. to The game, for all intents and purposes, was over at that point, and the Packers were just trying to run the clock out. Now, that might be something that some fans lament a little bit, but the team's done it before. They, they did a good job in the four-minute offense later in the game. Did a pretty good job of running down the clock, making the Falcons use their timeouts, all that stuff. Had they had to score, yeah, I feel more confident they played better on offense yesterday. I mean, that was one of the big takeaways is they executed better. Again, I don't think it was some big schematic adjustment. They just they executed better. And again, that's a boring line. I know that. That's kind of annoying to some people because they want to believe in this day and age that their coach is a genius. But the reality is, Sean McVay, Matt Nagy, name your play caller maestro or whatever, those play calls that they call don't work if the players don't make them work. So that's something the Packers did better yesterday. And had they had to score, yeah, to answer your question, I think they could have. All right. Well, that's. I'm sure that's a relief to many fans out there. So, all right, let's wrap up with this game. I want to move forward to this weekend. Packers on the road going to Chicago. Now, at this point in the year, the Packers have officially been eliminated from winning the division after the Bears beat the Rams Sunday night 15-6. to So I want to talk about a couple of things moving into the Chicago game. So the Vegas odds last Sunday had the Rams as a three-point favorite on the road in Chicago. Chicago, obviously, like we just said, to six. The Bears this weekend against the Packers opening up only as a five and a half point favorite. Does that seem too low of, of a line for you? I would have given Chicago at home against a struggling Packers team. I would have given them at least seven points. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was surprised it wasn't a touchdown. I guess the and I'm trying to think like a Vegas prognosticator, which I am not. If I was, I'd be a very rich man. So since I'm not, you can kind of gather that I'm not from Vegas and I'm not any good at that sort of stuff. But, I mean, the only thing I could think of is the Bears' offense isn't that great. I mean, as far as I know, I know the numbers are what they are, and they're impressive. But that defense makes that offense's life so much easier. I mean, last night... The Bears got four turnovers last night. Realistically, three, I guess. One of the interceptions they got from Goff came on a Hail Mary. And they scored 15 points. And it kind of took a gimmick. I mean, the Bears this year aren't all that different from every Bears team that's been good in my lifetime. They are ferocious on defense. Their defense is legitimate. It's the best defense in football. It's not even close. But the the offense is nothing special. I mean, if you can keep Mitchell Trubisky in the pocket, then he struggles to throw the ball down the field. And anything off the script has been a bit of a struggle for him. So keeping that in mind, I think the thought that Vegas maybe has here is that the Bears may not score enough points, and it's against Aaron Rodgers, who 
scored 24 points in essentially a quarter against that great defense, which looking back on that now, that is phenomenal that that took place because this Bears defense has proven to be, I mean, I think I saw a stat today that in terms of defensive yards, one of those defensive metrics, and I apologize, I don't know it off the top of my head, but they're only worse than like the 03 or 02 Bucks, the 2015 Seahawks, and a or 2013 Seahawks and 2015 Panthers. Two of those teams won the Super Bowl. One of them lost in the Super Bowl. This defense is very good. So, I, I mean, I guess I'm surprised a little bit, but Vegas is a lot smarter than I am, so who am I to question them? Well, fair point. Um, so then the next question, I think, becomes this, and I'm not saying I'm for or against it necessarily. I guess I'm asking where do the Packers toe the line here? So the Packers come into the game 5-7-1, and one you cannot win the division and their chances of making the playoffs are still alive, but very much on life support. I think it's at about 4% that they make the playoffs. So the last time these two teams met earlier in the year, Aaron Rodgers missed most of the first half due to a knee injury that was set up by this bears pass rush. Given the fact that Green Bay really, like, realistically, none of us really expect to see Green Bay in the playoffs this year. They can still mathematically make it, but nobody really expects it. If you're Green Bay, if this game, like, at what point do you, or do you even consider sitting Aaron Rodgers during the game? Obviously, he'll start, but, like, do you do you consider at all pulling him during the game if he's just getting around? And... Again, mostly due to the fact that, yes, you need to win this game to continue to have a chance at the playoffs, but given that their chances are so low, do you, does, it, does that become a consideration that Joe Philbin has to think about during the game? Sounds like something that Mike McCarthy might call a polluted mindset uh, to give homage to the coach there. But, I mean, realistically, in my the only way that that will or should happen is if it's like 34 to nothing – in the fourth quarter you're not coming back anything like that but if it's 24 to 14 in the fourth quarter and say Rodgers has been sacked eight times by then or whatever you still have a chance to win that game and I think that the Packers should do everything to try and win these games I am as against tanking as anybody you will ever meet I absolutely despise this era where essentially fans have become okay with losing for draft position. Because here's the reality, guys. Last year, one of the best, two, the two best rookie defensive backs in this class, with all due respect to Denzel Ward, the two best rookie defensive backs in this class were picked 17th and 18th overall, respectively. The Packers happened to pick one of those guys. So, with that in mind, what's the difference? I mean... Why play to lose? Because Players don't give a damn about draft position. They never will and they never should because if the players start playing, quote-unquote, for draft position, the Packers are going to draft somebody's replacement. That's how this game works. So, no, I don't, I don't think that becomes a, a possibility unless the game gets out of hand from a competitive standpoint. 
But even even not looking at it so much from the standpoint of tanking for better draft position, but just solely for the health of Aaron Rodgers, you don't you don't consider pulling him unless he's got an actual injury. Uh, again, if the competitive portion of the game is over, so if they're lo- like yesterday, for example, Matt Ryan being on the field when the score is thirty-four to fourteen with a minute left in the game, what purpose does that serve? Okay, you score a touchdown to the Falcons, feel a hell of a lot better that the final score was thirty-four to twenty instead of thirty-four to fourteen. No, that's where you got to keep your prized asset on on ice, so to speak. Uh, not to use the pun for Matty Ice there, but. So yeah, if the Packers are down thirty-four to fourteen or something, with two minutes left in the game, let Deshaun Kaiser go out there and get his ass kicked. But otherwise, I mean, it's football. Aaron Rodgers could get hurt when the score is zero-zero. Unfortunately, we've seen that happen before. Um, so for keeping him healthy, it's football, man. They're all laying it on the line. That's what happens. Players get hurt. It's an unfortunate reality of the business, but it's true. Well, it's very true. I, I, I mean, I would. I personally guess I would take a little bit more conservative approach if I feel like there's any inclination that he might be hurt. I, I uh, but I do agree with you. As long as, as he's not hurt and the game's competitive, keep him in there. But then that kind of fast forwards. We're not there yet. But if the Packers say they lose this weekend to Chicago, I. I believe losing this weekend mathematically eliminates them. I believe they have to win. If they lose this weekend, do you shut Aaron Rodgers down for the rest of the year with no chance of making the playoffs after if they lose to the Bears? Then do you just say, we're not going to risk him getting hurt in the last two games? Or do you continue to let him play, you know, until you feel like maybe it's putting his health at risk? Like, what, what Will we see Deshaun Kaiser if the Packers are eliminated from playoff contention? That, I think, depends on the health of the offensive line. So, for example, yesterday the Packers played with Justin McCray, Lucas Patrick, and Jason Spriggs along the front. Three preferred starters out of the game. Now, you can argue that Byron Bell is an addition by subtraction, but that's beside the point. If the offensive line is banged up... So, for example, David Bakhtiari hurt his knee, I believe, against Minnesota. Uh, before they played the Cardinals. And that's when I was like, okay, if Bakhtiari's hurt and the Packers are eliminated from the playoffs, then yeah, I don't need to risk Aaron Rodgers getting hurt in meaningless games. Um, If the line is healthy, teams play for pride. You know, teams play. This is the NFL. Um, I don't think I would sit him until, again, like the second half of a game or something like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did, if that makes sense. Kind of like what they did... Last year, after after they lost to Carolina, Brett Hundley was the starting quarterback for the last two games, and Rodgers was healthy enough to play. I mean, had those games mattered, he would have been the starting quarterback. I don't have any doubts about that. So I wouldn't be surprised if you do see him. I don't know if I would necessarily be enamored with that idea, but I would understand it. All right, well, we're running short on time here, Jacob. I want to get two last quick thoughts from you before we wrap up today. So, thought number one, over-under, Green Bay's defense over-under gets three interceptions this weekend against Mitch Trubisky. Under, do they have three interceptions all season? I mean, I don't mean to be a smart-ass, but, like, the defense, as good as it has been, one of their weaknesses has been, they haven't caused a lot of turnovers. I think I saw somebody say the other day, the Packers have 12 turnovers total going into yesterday's game, so they have 14 now. 
and HaHa ha Clinton Dix is responsible for a decent portion of those. So Trubisky last night, I mean, Trubisky was bad last night. There's no question about that. But I don't, I mean, the Packers have had multiple turnovers twice this year. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't, I can't picture them now all of a sudden going from multiple turnovers twice in a game, once against Josh Allen, and then yesterday against Matt Ryan, which really was kind of a fluky thing because they had they had a receiver run across the formation and he fumbled. Um, so, yeah, I'll go under, and I don't think it ends up even really getting close either. Do they get an interception off the young QB? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they get one again. I think this game's going to be competitive. Division games always are. Uh, in order for it to be competitive, I think Patton will confuse Trubisky enough, uh, confuse Nagy enough. They kind of know each other a little bit better now. So Nagy's going to get a couple things on Patton he didn't get the first time around, and Patton will do the same to Nagy. So with that in mind, uh, yeah, I think they get one. If you want to ask me who's going to get it, I think that's, you know, you're asking me uh, to just throw a dart at the board and see what, see what sticks. So I'll do that. It's going to be Josh Jackson, damn it. I've been waiting all year for that moment. It's going to be Josh Jackson. Well, I, I let's let's hope he gets a couple then. I I agree. I don't think that they'll hit three turnovers. They, they've had they've struggled all year to force turnovers. All right. So quickly before we wrap up, does Mike Pet? Sorry, not Mike Pet. Does Joe Philbin get his second win as the head coach of the Packers? And if he does, how is that going to come about? Well, here's my thing. The Chicago Bears are a better team than the Green Bay Packers. They have the best defense in the NFL. Again, it's not particularly close. The Packers' offense is average. I think that's fair to say. Their defense is probably average, maybe slightly above. Every single sign points to the Bears winning this game and putting their stamp on the 2018 season, which really has been a big year for the Chicago Bears. But... I can't do it. I cannot pick the Bears to beat the Packers. The Packers have not lost at Soldier Field since 2010. That includes a year where Brett Hundley was the starting quarterback. And in order for the Bears to win that game in 2010, the Packers committed 18 penalties for probably close to, if not over 200 yards. And the Bears won that game on a field goal at the buzzer. Call it a hunch, call it homerism, call it whatever you want, but I think the Packers find a way to win this game Sunday. And if nothing else, and I hate this mentality because people always say that, you know, I got Bears fans around here that say, I don't care if the Bears go 2-14 and 14 as long as they beat the Packers twice. And I think that's a stupid mentality. But at the end of the year, the Bears will be in the playoffs. The Packers probably won't. And Packers fans will at least be able to kind of poke a little bit of fun at the fact that, yeah, you guys won the division, but Green Bay is still your daddy. And that's been the case pretty much my entire life. So I do, I think Green Bay wins. I think it's one of those odd slobber knocker type old school NFC North games. Green Bay makes one more play than Chicago does and wins 20 to 17. I'll even call Mason Crosby makes a field goal at the buzzer. Well, Packer fans would love both of those things to happen. You guys heard it here. Jacob's picking the Packers. I I want to be there with you. I do. I just 
man, I, I don't know. I, I'm really buying the Bears after after they beat the Rams the other night. I, I don't know. I think I, I agree with you. I think it'll be close, but I, I don't see the Packers winning this game. And they haven't they haven't won a big game all year, really. And I, I, I don't see it starting now. All right, well, we are out of time, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Jacob, if people want to follow you, how can they do that? You can follow me at Jacob Westendorf, and you can stay tuned because I think I am dangerously close to getting in a fight with a Bears fan. So that might be interesting. Stay tuned for that, guys. Keep an eye out on Jacob. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, I, hope I've got a, I hope I've got a partner in crime in two weeks. Uh, that uh, is actually able to record with me. If, if, if I'm solo in two weeks, guys, you'll know that Jacob might be in jail. All right, well, we are out of time for the day. One last thing quickly, I want to throw this out here. I know I said it the other day. Just once again, thinking of Andy Herman, our godfather, he's under the weather right now. He's been put on IR, as I've seen many people say. We're wishing him the best. Uh, quick recovery, Andy, please. We, we want you back here. We miss you. And we hope you're doing well. Uh, and with that, thank you again for listening, guys. You can follow me at SportsSchmitty on Twitter. Make sure to follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And make sure you like and subscribe on your favorite listening podcasts. Thanks again for listening, guys. And as always, go Pack Go!